0: London, and uh, we, we watched Bill Ingalls teaching. And we uh, were talking uh, this year uh, about what a leader's job is. And you're going to get me drawing now. <laughs> this is worth coming away for, isn't it? i tell you. And uh, Bill Ingalls was saying that a leader's job is to help people move from. Here to there. Like so. And uh, he obviously did didn't much better drawing than I could do, but you appreciate my drawing, don't you? I need to be encouraged to it now. Thank you very much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, now, we'll talk about what there looks like in a little while. Um, but he was telling how the leader's job is to help people move from here to there. So asked, there is where we're headed as a church. There are some of the things that God has spoken to us about. There are some of our dreams. There are some of the things that we'd love to see but we're not seeing yet. So uh, we'll, we'll get into there, let me not jump <laughs> into the middle of my preach uh, before we get there. But he was saying, and he, he actually asked the question, where as a leader is it most difficult to lead people on that journey And where, if you're on that journey as part of a church family, where's the toughest point in that journey? Where's the hardest place to be? And that's the same place in terms of to lead and to build the journey together. He asked the question, where is it? Where is the toughest point in that journey? What do you think? The
1: beginning.
0: The beginning? Okay, any other? Halfway. Halfway? Halfway. Anybody else? 1.6% 1.6% 1.6% Very helpful, thank you. <clears throat> Sorry? The last little bit. Okay, so we've got beginning, with and end there. So we've got some differing opinions. Now, David and I discussed this as he was doing it. Now, it's slightly unfair because I've heard Bill and I were students before, so I knew what my answer was. <laughs> 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 but he was saying. Okay, so this was his perspective, and if you don't agree, you can argue with me or He was saying the toughest point to lead or to be on the journey is in the middle. And the reason he's saying it is this at the beginning, at the beginning you've got naive enthusiasm, you've got a new vision, you've got some energy, you've got something exciting to give yourself to. And it's all that that gets you out of the starting block and gets you going past the 1.6% mark and on into the journey. <laughs> at the end, towards the, towards the end of it, the end is in sight. You think, you know what, it's been a long journey lately but we're nearly there. You know our kids say the car, we're nearly there that? Well you can say at that point, yes! We're nearly there. We can see it. It's just around right the corner. You know, whatever it might be—a uh, some uh, size or a church, or seeing the numbers of people saved, or maybe our own facility, maybe certain ways of impacting and blessing people in the city. Whatever it might be, we're nearly there. It's like we're nearly there. Let's just keep going. The hardest point to move is this. Is this? Is this point in the middle? Because in the middle, you haven't got the enthusiasm and the energy you have to start with. You haven't got the, we're nearly there, we can just see it. You've got a middle bit. You've got a middle bit. Now, where are we as a church? Where is Jubilee? I would suggest that for us as a church, we are right there. Now you might not be in the first bit in the middle, or the middle bit of the middle, or the end bit of the middle, or 1.6% the it doesn't really matter. My, my suggestion to us this morning is we, we are in the middle. Not at the beginning, just setting out, not so close to the end that we can nearly see it, we're in the middle. Well you know what, it's tough in the middle. It's hard going in the middle. You may be getting thinking, this is taken a bit longer than I thought it might do. And I think we're right there in the middle. And so if you think it's a bit tough sometimes, it's sometimes hard going, that's okay. You're in the middle. It's like that in the middle sometimes. And so I want to speak this morning to life in the middle. If you want the title, you can have that one for free. Life in the middle. I don't think it's a squeezed the middle. as maybe some politicians who died before. But let's talk about life in the middle. Now i felt for some time today is a significant time for us. I've not been entirely sure why. Um, but I went out to pray a few weeks ago I saying, Lord, what is it that you want to say on this day of life? We've got all these people coming. We've said, what a fantastic day it's going to be. What is it you want us to say? What is it that you've got for us together? And that was my prayer. Now I've just finished reading through the book of Revelation. And I was struck by the letters to the seven churches. And the thought dropped into my mind as I was praying, what would Jesus write if he was writing to us? What would Jesus write if he was writing to us? It's jubilee. And very quickly, I felt God speak to me and give me what I'm going to share with you this morning. Now, it's not a typical preacher for me, because more often than not, I take a passage and work my way through it. This is a bit more unusual, perhaps, but it's what I felt God has spoken to me for uh, with, with this morning. Life in the middle. What would Jesus say to us as his church this morning? As we pray, and then we'll get into some of these things. Lord Jesus, we uh, want to pray now that you would speak to us. Lord, we thank you that this is your church. And we we'll be obedient to what you're saying. And uh, Lord, we open our hearts now to hear from you. Because you're the head. This is your church. We, As your body, want to hear what you have to say to us. So our prayers, we open these things out, that you would speak. Uh, and you would be very much uh, in our good We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, a letter to Jubilee Darby, A letter to a Jubilee Church in Derby. I believe Jesus would start by saying, well done, well done. You served well. You've been faithful in the hard times and the good. But here are some things I want to remind you about. Well done. But here are some things that I want to remind you about. Number one, receive grace. Number one, receive grace. Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. Uh, he's writing to them. he says, For it is by grace that you have been saved. Ephesians 2, verse 8. It's by grace you have been saved. through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, So no one can boast. It's by Christ that you have been saved. Now we know that, don't we? You know that, don't you? You you cannot. If you didn't know, I'm telling you now, you're saved by grace, it's a gift of God. It's not by works. It's by Him. But we need to keep going in God's grace as well. John Rimmer used to put it like this. He used to say, "The way in is the way on." And the way that by is that the way into the Christian life is receiving grace. The way to proceed in the Christian life is also to receive grace. And I feel God was saying to us this morning, Jesus would write to us if you like, receive grace. Receive grace. We need to constantly receive grace for everything that God has for us, for so everything that we can do for Him. It needs to be by grace, it needs to be by receiving grace. His grace for us. Everything we do for him should be out of a heart that's full of love and energised by his grace. Not out of a sense of duty or an expectation that we just ought to. Paul says this in Romans 15. He says, When the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Receiving God's grace is characterised by a by a joy, and really by the energy that I suggest only comes by Him. Now we all have people that are heavy and intense, They think, Oh, you don't done the first hard work, they're just so heavy and so intense. And maybe you know people who are sort of so reluctant then, because they don't feel like they ought to be so heavy, so it. They, they do have a duty rather than out of a love and a passion for Jesus. And I guess if we're honest, all of us have probably been in that position at one time I know I have. I've had seasons where I just think, oh God, I'm not, I'm, you know, It's almost it like I've been serving God out of an obedience and duty rather uh, than out of receiving His grace. And I've had to come back to Him and say, Lord, I'm going to receive your grace And if, if there is isn't grace for it, then I don't want to do it. I'd rather do something else. i if they come back to God and say, Lord, I've just fallen into the duty and the obedience mode. How are we get back into receiving grace for it? And maybe that's been true of you in the past. Maybe that's true of you even now. Actually, we have certainly going out of duty and obedience maybe even relax with me. Well, without well, have joy and receiving his grace. So I know for me, when well, I've got it to that point, I have to come back to God and say, no, I want to receive grace from this. I want to do it full of joy, full of your presence, loving it and loving you in it. And that only comes by receiving his grace. So I feel Jesus would say to us this morning, receive grace, receive grace. Know God's grace upon your life. Know that his pleasure is in you. Know that he loves you for just who you are. Not because of what you do, but just because of who you are. He loves you I wants to affirm you in those things. To receive grace this morning. Secondly, number two, restore your first love. Restore your first love. Now if you know the letters in Revelation, you'll know that that, that phrase is it was certainly in there. And this wasn't in my first draft. And as I was going over um, some things again this week and praying about it, I felt to, to add this in. Now you know this is what Jesus says to the church uh, in Ephesus in Revelation 2. Restore your first love. For the Ephesus church, they're doing well. They're persevering. They've worked hard, they've given themselves to things, but they've forsaken their first love. And Jesus calls them to repent and do the things they did at first. That's what he says to them. So what does it mean to lose your first love? Well, I think it has to do with the, um, the place that God has in your life. Where, where he figures it in your, in your life. Is he on a number one spot? Or have some other things crowded in and taken away that spot that really should be reserved for him. If that's the case, if you're thinking, yeah, you know what, that might be true of me, then it's okay. What was our first point?
1: Receive grace. Receive
0: grace. Okay. Yeah. Receive grace. So if you think, yeah, you know what, that probably does speak in me, that's okay. Then this morning, receive grace. Receive grace and restore your first love. Restore your first love. This isn't a word to condemn you. This is a word to invite you back in. It's not a word of condemnation where you should feel bad. It's a word of invitation where you should feel good because Jesus wants you to restore your first love and you might have that relationship with him. It's a word of invitation this morning. It's a come home word if you like. So are you a bit like the Ephesian church? You're working hard, you're faithfully serving, you've persevered, but you've just perhaps forgotten, not intentionally forsaken your first love, but you've just forgotten what it was like. That joy in the early days of knowing Jesus, He wants you to know that It's not that you've stopped being a Christian, it's just you've lost that joy perhaps. Now, maybe that God hasn't got the place that He wants that. If that's the case, then come back to Him this morning. Receive grace and restore your first life. It's a wonderful word of invitation this morning. It's the uh, it's the banquet. Was David's interpretation the other time about the sort of the the and the sort of banquet thing? Was that was that, was that this meeting was that another meeting? I think no. that was there, wasn't it? Yeah, no. that was. You know, you think was it this? <laughs> I was thinking. Actually, what was that? Wasn't it? Jesus says, I can of all that he has for you this morning. Come back to Him, restore your first love." Number three, renew your love for one another. So what would Jesus say to us? I believe he would say, renew your love for one another. Loving one another is of our core values as a church. It's really, really important to us. It's right up there along with loving God, loving those who don't know Jesus yet, serving the city of rich nations. It, it's right here, it's important to us. And I felt that Jesus would remind us to keep it central. Particularly, this is important, particularly as we grow, and you might not know everybody. Certainly not how you used to in the early days, where we could all pack into someone's front room, if you wanted to do a day away, rather than have to go to a, another, another centre. He calls us to love one another. And it follows on from making sure that we love God first. It's as we love God, He gives us Christ and love for one another. It's not that you have to work hard at it. You really must love it. You really must love. You're really, really in you really just say it It's really easy. You love God first. As you do that, you allow His love to flow through you. Renew your love for one another. Jesus says in John thirteen, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't it interesting? Jesus says it's by loving one another you'll be recognised. It's not by a you know, great mission strategy, it's not by wonderful preaching or projects, it's by you loving one another. That's what it says in John's first letter, 1 John 3, verse 16, says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, as no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I'm sure I've told you the story before. Church history tells us uh, about the apostle John that towards the end of his life, he wasn't strong enough to preach a whole message. Some of you might be thinking, "Wow, well, looking forward to that day." <laughs> 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 so towards the end of John's life, okay, he wasn't strong enough to preach a whole message. So he would be brought before the congregation, as they said, each week to share just a few words. And each time his message was the same. He'd say this Dear children, love one another. When asked after a while why he said the same thing every time, you can imagine some people thinking, Oh, John's just lost his marbles now, we can say his love, he's forgotten everything else. Why not anything else to bring? This answer is interesting. There's a lot of lines of this. When you really start doing that, then I'll move on to something else. Dear children, love one another. So my question for us is this. How are we doing with that? How are we really doing? I feel that like God will call us this morning to renew our love for one another. And it's not just a mental decision, is it? It requires action and outworking and uh, that's doing something. So I want to encourage you this morning, encourage all of us, think about what you can do practically to show love for another. Maybe even look around this morning and think, how can you show love to somebody else today? What can you do practically that will bless them, that will encourage them, that will show them that you love them, and that you're for them, and that you love what God's doing in their life? you want to press them and build them up. Maybe you know someone in need. How can you respond to that? Acts 2.44 says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The early church were really good at loving one another. Now, one way for us to do that, as we've said before, is in a smaller context like that. Groups, for example, are good for that, great for building relationships and sharing life together and having opportunities to love and bless one another. It's not their only purpose, I know, but it's a very good use of that relationship and those, those times together. Another opportunity to connect with people we'll be over the summer. We're going to do some summer picnics. And uh, they're gonna be a variety of locations and uh, and dates. I don't know if the dates are up there or not, James, but they oh, are, there we are. Um ooh. oh, they're they're um, <laughs> okay. I didn't know. That really. um, so that there's, there's details on the website and uh, there's a good opportunity to pray for good weather and uh, then to bring a picnic and we'll head off somewhere up to our uh, meeting on Sullivan. You see, to love one another, you've got to know one another. It's not just an ethereal concept, it's something you have to do. So, you need to know people. So, we're going to try and build into church life some opportunities to get to know people. So, life groups are great for that. you're not playing the me, I encourage you to do so. And uh, we're trusting that these picnics so will be another opportunity uh, to spend time one another and get to know one another in order that we might then love one another. This afternoon would be another good opportunity for that. Don't just look at this afternoon as, oh, we've just got some time between, you know, lunch and dinner. Look at it as an opportunity to, uh, get to know one another. To so show love to one another. Let's be looking at uh, renewing our love for another. Yeah, good. You with me so far? Yeah, okay. Uh, number four. You want to guessed where we'll begin with you. Recall Scripture. Recall Scripture. In the middle ground, in here, in fact all the time, we would do well to recall Scripture. What has God said to us in His Word? What has God spoken to us in His Book? We would do well to recall it. To recall Scripture. Now, we've spoken the Bible, excuse me, just a whole ton of things that God said. But let me mention a few. Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to reclaim the kingdom of God until he was sick. Matthew 28 and 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Galatians 6 verse 9. Paul says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. See what God has said to us in Scripture still stands. Paul says the Timothy that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture. All scripture is God breathed. So what God has said to us in the past still stands. It still stands. It's in his book. He wants us to recall it, allow him to speak to us through it. We need to remember to keep the main thing, the main thing, and our main thing, thing is loving God, <coughs> Loving one another and loving those that don't know Jesus yet. Friends, that's our main thing. And there are lots of other things that we'll do and give ourselves to That's great. But they all need to help us in doing those three things. Loving good, loving one another, and loving those that don't know Jesus yet. God has called us together in order that he might then send us out. It's like he called us in in order then to send us out. So Jubilee is not a cozy little elite club for a certain elect few. Although you're a bit you elite this morning, it has to be said. But it's not hard, is it? Actually, God has called us together to be a dynamic, living, growing family who are on a mission together to be obedient to Him, to reach out. And to introduce others into this family as well. So Jesus is them were therefore go. Not therefore study and get coffee. He was therefore go. 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 It's about reaching outwards, not just looking inwards. Now, you might say, Brian, that sounds boggy, but doesn't that contradict what you just said about loving another? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. You can have both. We just need to understand what the purpose of the church is. You really can have both. The purpose of the church is a mission or purpose. Why Good friend Matt Hatch said to a group of enthusiastic Frontier Project students this week. Apologies time, he said, "This: if the church is not missional, then it's lost its reason to exist." Champion stone, meant to be champion If the church is not missional, then it's lost its reason to exist. And sometimes you can have attention thinking, well, how can we be reaching out and the same time love one another and looking at trying to do that as well? We just need to remember what our purpose is. Church is not mission it's lost. It's a reason to exist. Dave Holden, one of the New Frontiers leaders, wrote this recently. And he was talking about his own local church in, uh, in South London. He said, as people try, I want to feel they're in a family so they can, genu- that they can genuinely belong. A church that's doing all it can to meet one another's needs, whilst at the same time continue to make an impact on every part of our wider community. They should also see that we're not inward looking or only concerned with our local parish, but working to play our part in seeking to bring the gospel to every nation. We are a word and spirit, grace-filled church, with a focus on our local community, but we're also an increasingly evangelistic, outward-looking people on world mission. I like that. That Sounds good. He goes on. Sadly, many churches in the UK struggle to catch this vision. The reason I believe has to do with their foundations. Many are built fundamentally on pastoral foundations. That means that the leaders of these churches see it as their duty to only care for their people, not necessarily to be released to go and reach new people. Members of this kind of church see having their needs met as a primary reason for being there. If this doesn't happen and they become easily disappointed, they may well even leave and go and find another church in the hope they might do a better job. They may even object when the church starts to grow, realising that the more people there are, the less likely is that the attention will be given to them. If, however, your church is built on apostolic prophetic foundations, as described, for example, in Ephesians 2, then your church has at its very roots a passion to be saints and to saints. In other words, we exist not only to meet the needs of our existing members, but to a constantly desire to go and meet the needs of those who are not yet a part of us. Amen. we sign off on that? Amen. He finishes with us. He says, apostolically founded churches do not neglect to pastor people. They just do it in the right context, which is one of mission. We the people on the move and we equip them to go and reach others. I want to encourage us friends to be looking at building that sort of church family together. And recording Scripture will help to encourage us and more importantly help to keep us on track. Okay, let's do that. Number five. Remember the prophetic. Remember the prophetic. As well as recording Scripture, it's a great idea to remember what God has said to us prophetically. And I felt that Jesus would remind us of some of these things this morning. Some of the things that he has said over us, he has said to us, he has spoken to us about. So I want to remind you of a few things. Very early in Jubilee, there was a word about Jubilee being like a wheel. Seeing the hub as our central gathering and the spokes going out to small groups around the city. You bring that down, is that? I mean I, I, I mean, you made the prayer right, when when we had it, right? So it's many moves ago anyway. <laughs> but it's an early prophetic word, an early word that God spoke to us about a picture of a wheel, the central hub, and then smokes coming out right across the city to having camps in small groups. Why right from the earliest days we felt God speak to us About being a city church, building a church for the city, not just one particular part of it. And that's since grown to having a half for other places as well, like like Burton and Ashbourne and (coughs) Belfry and and these other far remote places that we might reach with the gospel and help to see churches planted there too. There have been numerous prophetic words about size and significance a large church influencing the city affecting the city making a difference to people's lives we've felt more risky God's been speaking to us about a facility, a building all these sort of things are there we're not there yet we're probably here but to get there we need to keep reminding us what there's like what will really it look like when we get there? What are some of the things that God has spoken to us about now? It talks about uh, Julian already when he was with us in uh, November 2010. He had a prophetic word and that talks about the church growing to 500, from 300 to 500. He like said, four or five years, this will be a church of 500. He talks about God adding young professionals and emotional finance to us. He talks about not worrying what the church would look like because it would look different to others. But that's okay because God's doing something unique. Now when Jude was with us uh, Jude was with us in Edinburgh this year and, uh, he said this, the prophesied I was Sarah and I and he said that I just feel like the Lord shows me a whiteboard with a kind of year planner finding a goal setting type of thing. And there's a flowchart you I can see on this board. Now, interestingly, just a couple of weeks previously, I have uh, got a new flip chart, and I'd written a flowchart on it. And uh, so as was prophesying this, David was in hysterics, sorry, because he knew he'd seen the flip chart. He'd, he'd seen the flowchart. chart. You are have written. George went on. He said, there's a flowchart I can see on this board. And God's wiping it off. God's wiping him off because there's going to be an acceleration to what he's doing. And it's like there's been a particular number barrier that you guys haven't had to break through in this church. God says to you today, is about to break <coughs> through in this next season. <coughs> a few years ago, there was a prophetic word uh, brought in a I was at in Darwin, a prayer and fasting conference uh, by a uh, guy called Phil Worthy, who some of you would know and another friend of ours, recognised prophetic guy. He said this, I feel God was saying there's a train whose destination is Derby. And it's a revival train. There's a train called The Outbreak of the Spirit and God has a destination in mind for this train. And it's about to pull away from the platform, says the Lord. God said there's a train called revival and it's coming to Darby.'" Amen. Amen. Yeah, Friends, God has been speaking to us over a period of time. I heard another prophetic word just last week, which, on its own, was seen, a person who's sharing this here, so forgive me for the description, but on its own, if it was out of context, it would seem frankly obvious. But, it's not out of context, because it's in context what God has been saying over a period of time, over a number of of years, in fact. And as you look at it in a big picture, you can take any one of these words and think, that just sounds crazy. Can God really do that? That's just awkward, it's mad. But when you start thinking, you know what, God's been speaking to us over a period of years, and he's saying very similar things from different people, many of whom haven't known about the other prophetic words, you start saying, God, are you up to something you seem to be speaking something, you seem to, there seems to be a clear message here that God wants to us to remember this morning. Because it starts to describe some of the there, we're not there yet, but we actually remember the prophetic. So do we do that, we don't just say, okay God, well you go ahead and do it, then I'll just sit back and watch. And That's what I'm prophetic. Works. The purpose of the prophetic words is that it might stir our spirit and we say, Lord, you've spoken, would you do it? We pray it back to God and say, God, have you said this, would you, would you do it? Would you use us three part of it? we pray and say, Lord, what do we need to change? Are there things we need to do differently? Are there some structural things? There, is there a different approach? Is there something that we need to give ourselves to? What is it, Lord, that we might do for our part in order that you might fulfil your part? That's how we pray. Designed to stir our spirits and to drive us back to Him. So I want to encourage us this morning to allow these prophetic words and others to stir our faith, to encourage us to believe God for more and to be praying back to Him. We're we'll praying faith and to remember the prophetic. Okay, two more. Two more. Number six, receive the Spirit. Receive the Spirit. We need to keep receiving the Spirit. This isn't just a once, only, I've done it, I've got the t-shirt type of instruction. Okay, Let's be believing God and asking for a greater outbreak of the Spirit in our midst. We're meant to be full of the Spirit, having that river running through us. It's so easy to get dried up sometimes. Anybody know what that's like? I know what that's like. It's so easy to get dried up. Paul writes to the Church of Ephesus and says, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. A better translation is go on being continually filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-off, it's not a I've been there, no, I've got me filled with the Spirit t-shirt, thank you very much. No, no, it's go on being continually filled with the Spirit. Let it be an everyday experience for you. Let it be the normal Christian life for you. In John 7, Jesus talks about streams of living water flying from within us. Jesus saw this as normal. This is not just for the few. This is not just for some special people. This is not just for a few leaders. This is for all of us. It's what Jesus intends it to be. Is the stream flowing in your life? I preached a couple of years ago, I think it was now, from Ezekiel 47, about the river flowing from the temple. And uh, it was uh, what well, I thought God speak to me about. And I showed some pictures from the weir at Kennerstone. And on different occasions that was blocked and free flowing. I was there several weeks ago and uh, I noticed on that occasion that the water was flowing freely. It was, you know, there was lots of air flowing over the weir and uh, there was you know, it no blockages. It, it was just flowing. I was there again just a week or so ago, and uh, you can't see it very clearly on the screen. But you might have seen see in the middle there, there's a blockage. And you can see the water flowing, but right in the middle there's a blocked. There's no water flowing there. And that happened in the space of just a few weeks. When I've gone previously, it was all flowing very fast. When I visited just a week or so ago, it was like that. There was a blockage there. And the blockage was stopping the river flowing. I wonder, has the Holy Spirit got blocks in your life? Is anything that's blocking what Jesus wants to do? Blocking the river flowing? Is it a bit like that? It's flying all around you, but it just seems that it's not quite flowing how you want it to in your life. I felt this morning that God wants to do some unblocking. God wants to do some unblocking. I should have bought a large punch up here as an (laughs) illustration. But I feel God wants to do some unplugging this morning. Okay, last one. Let me go with that. Number seven, number seven, keep running the race. Keep running the race. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Keep running. The race. You could look at this as a marathon, couldn't you? I guess. The initial burst of energy at the beginning is somewhere past, it's in the distance, you can barely remember it. Muscles are starting to ache now, your calves are thinking, What are you doing to me? You haven't got the burst of energy that comes from sitting the finish line thinking I can just crawl over it, I'll get there, I'll get the medal. Somewhere in the middle that you need to be reminded. Keep running the race. Don't get up there. Look how far you've come. Look how far you've got. Look at how it was when you started. You're not there now. You're always going down. But keep running the race. I feel Jesus would say, to that, say that to us this morning. Keep running the race. It's not only sin that can get in the way and cause blockages, as we referred to a moment ago, you know, that's the case. You need to repent of it and come to God and ask him to help you to deal with it and move on from it. You need to of repentance and God will forgive you. But often it isn't sin, often it's other stuff that gets in the way. What does the writer of the Hebrew say? Throw off everything that hinders. Stuff is just hinder us sometimes, can it? Isn't necessarily sinful, but it can just bog us down. It can just get in the way. Isn't necessarily sinful in and of itself, but it just clouds in and maybe like, takes time or energy from us in a way that is unhelpful. If you're a runner in your you throw off everything that hinders. You don't carry any baggage, do you? If you're doing this marathon, you want to run as light as possible, in order there may be no excess weight holding you down. Throw off everything that hinders Run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Ok, let's recap. Several things that I felt Jesus would say to us, he would write to us this morning. There'd be a well done. There'd be a you been faithful. There'd be a keep going. There'd be a receive grace. Restore your first love. Renew your love for another. Recall scripture. Remember the prophetic. Receive the spirit. And keep running. the race. Can we stand together? We're gonna try on that perhaps in the landing car line and see if we can also come back. To, to pray together and to uh, give any of you an opportunity to respond if you'd like to to the Lord this morning. And uh, just feel that like God wants to do some stuff on my house. Just feel like I have some uh, words of encouragement for us that are specific. And this was delighting God for a moment. We're going to sing in a moment and then we're going to pray together. and I'm so sort of relieved that God wants to do some things on my house for Some of you is the receiver the spirit to come. And for the first time, certainly once again. But for some of you there's a sense of needs to be reminded of what God's spoken to you about, the prophetic. Might be a recollection of what God's spoken to you from Scripture. For some of you there has to be an encouragement of keep running the race. Keep running the race. And I forgot to do some of those things this morning. So let's pray and uh I think we can to sing a song together and then we'll sing a to together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the race that you've called us to be part of. And Lord, we want to give ourselves to that this morning, give ourselves to you afresh. We want to run in such a way as to win the prize that you have for us. And so I pray now, in these moments we have together for our remaining time this morning. Lord God, I pray that you would speak and that you would come by your Spirit. Please, Lord, come and do what only you can do. And Lord, I pray there will be a great uh, unblocking this morning. There will be a uh, fresh receiving of the Spirit. There will be an encouragement to keep running away. So whatever it is that you want to do now, I pray, Holy Spirit, come and have your life. ask in Jesus' name. Thank you. Let's, let's worship the Lord together and we'll see what